create with France Sydney. Hello everyone and welcome to the show. This is episode 111 and we have a special guest today which is an, a very very well known person because you're going to see some Facebook adverts about him. That's Kelly Cox who is an ER physician in Illinois in the United States of America. So welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here with you today and excited to have some discussion about uh, things we can do to kind of improve our own health. Yes. So tell me a little bit about yourself and especially today we're going to talk about a lot about things like mindset and being mindful of what we're doing and maybe about going to the root cause of a problem instead of just sprinkling something on it and just actually realize what's going on. You're also a specialist offering so many services to people from coaching to medical health, sleep health. So tell me a little bit about your background. Okay. Well, uh, first of all, thank you for having me on your show today. Um, I'm an American-trained emergency medicine physician. I currently practice emergency medicine in the United States. Um, and, and one of the challenges that I have, I've been practicing for 20-plus years, and, and one of the challenges of the patients I interact with every day, a lot of their behavioral choices have, have put them in the emergency department, and their behavioral choices that, that a lot of times they don't really even understand that they're making Uh, because it's kind of uh, at that uh, kind of more subconscious level. And one of the things that I found is using mindfulness is to really try to help people kind of slow things down a little bit and make better shit choices. Um, I think there's a lot of information out there and and understanding what what is correct or, or more accurate uh, can be a real challenge. So you kind of have to have some resources in your life Uh, that, that may not have all the answers, but knows where to get the answers. And that's kind of one of the services that, that we provide in working with clients is, is try to make sure that they're making informed decisions, but first help them understand that a lot of the things that they uh, do kind of automatically are really still decisions. And, and that's where we, we kind of preach that mindfulness is so important, especially in today's kind of highly distracted world. Um, Uh, it's not that there's just a bunch of distractions, but a lot of those distractions are specifically designed to distract you uh, or to attract you to whatever uh, their product or service is. And so it's easy to lose hours, you know, surfing the Internet or uh, on some type of social media. And you realize, man, I've just wasted three hours of my day doing that. And that's where I, mindfulness is so important because it helps you make that mental pause and, and kind of assess the current situation we often live in the past and live in the future and 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 we do things that we don't realize that we're doing because we aren't really paying attention and they're kind of now on that kind of that automatic automatic kind of habit if you would so that's kind of a big spill you know i totally agree with that because you know as a clinical hypnotherapist that's so like I repeat until people will be so, you know, they will know this by heart, that we are living 20% of our life in conscious mode, 80% is programmed, these things that we do automatically every day without thinking. So if we're used to go online as soon as we wake up and stay online until we go to bed, fiddling with Facebook and Instagram and whatever, and just endlessly scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, It is very hard, you know, um, especially as a lot of people do that while eating or drinking. 
And so it becomes like an embedded habit. And um, what is your most visible problem that you notice when people come to the ER and they don't realize why they're there? They're so surprised to have a heart attack. How, how do you perceive that when you are on the other end trying to fix this, not chronic, but a chronic problem, but also an emergency problem? So how do we feel when they get there like, oh my gosh, why am I having a heart attack? Yeah, and I, I think that's the important thing is, is that um, that's the unfortunate thing is, is in, in healthcare, specifically in the United States, we wait for those things and, and we don't focus as much on prevention. And I think that's really where we need to focus as a physician. Uh, that's what I don't want to have to talk to people when they're having their heart attack. I want to talk to people uh, about lifestyle uh, things that they can do to prevent them from ever having to experience that. Uh, and I think there needs to be really a bigger focus on, on prevention because I think in general, people want to do the right thing. Uh, but often they don't know what that right thing is, or they may have certain behaviors that serve them at some one time in their life, but now they're becoming a, a, a negative type of impact in their life. And, and they need to be able to understand those behaviors and how can they change those behaviors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you think about it, when you go to have a degree in medicine, I doubt there will be any, any of such classes as mindfulness, preventative medicine, or relaxation or natural medicine prevention with a diet and lifestyle there won't be classes on that because there is such a really heavy program it'll take you years and years and years we're probably focusing on emergency and obviously important diseases and from a moment we end up in the hospital but where is the focus on prevention when we look around all, all i see is advertising for smoking, for drinking, for foods, for things that are not good for us. And there is so much misinformation also online. You might find the guru saying that you have to have a keto diet and another one say he's totally wrong. So people don't know where to go, do they? Because the low carb, the Atkinson, oh, you can vape instead of smoking. So people can be really confused and just say, oh, whatever. I'm just going to die when I die. And I wanted to address one of the big, biggest problems we have in our society, which is people who are not sleeping. From the teenagers' years, they're not sleeping enough. And they think, oh, I can do this. You know, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, sleep is extremely important. Um, and we're learning more and more about uh, both the consequences of inadequate sleep, but also the benefits of uh, appropriate amount of sleep. and. It's kind of unfortunate because society kind of has made this kind of a, a badge of honor. I only get four hours of sleep at night. And and, and we really know that, that, that that's not sustainable. And specifically, it's really, really quite unhealthy. Um, uh, there's uh, lots of research on productivity uh, and, and, and getting adequate amount of sleep. And, and there's studies that show sleep deprivation, the consequences are are, are more severe as compared to someone that's heavily intoxicated or, or things like that. So sleep is, is it's one of those, those tough things we have as a society because we kind of undervalue it. Uh, and if anything, we overvalue not getting it. And so when I talk to people, that's actually one of the first things uh, uh, we discuss with people is how they're sleep, uh, sleeping because um, 
if they're trying to to uh, change any type of behavior, whether it's uh, you know uh, nutrition, exercise, uh, financial, whatever, if they're working on goals, um, and and they're depending on just their willpower, they're they're probably not going to be successful because willpower is just like any any muscle; it's going to get fatigued, and and part of that is you you kind of lay on to that. Uh, sleep deprivation, uh, you're going to get fatigued a lot, a lot sooner, and you're also going to make poor decisions, and so you're going to have to kind of recover from poor decisions. So, you know, really, you know, I, I promote that if you really are wanting to be healthy and successful, you need to get at least seven to eight hours of sleep a night. Uh, and there's lots of things you can do, you know, to to make sure you're doing that. You know, but a lot of times people. You know, they're on their social media apps right before going to bed, which is one of those things. You know, when we talk about mindfulness, uh, you know, what what is the thought process in your mind right now? Pause it and actually look internally and, and understand what your thoughts are versus these just kind of uh, blindly driving to work and you get there. And you don't even remember how you got there. Um, we, we don't want that. We want you to take these mental pauses uh, because that helps you kind of evaluate why you're making the decisions why you're doing the behavior you're doing whether it's good or bad yes so important you know you you notice when a mother has a newborn and she can't sleep because a newborn needs feeding she's absolutely exhausted the whole day she might have a temper she might be just frail because it's so hard when you suddenly lose your sleep and um, some people get used to slowly <laughs> losing it losing it losing it you know It's so hard. Tell me, is there, is it just you or the medical community is now waking up to this idea of preventing with lifestyle, mindfulness, good nutrition? Yeah, I, I think, you know, there is starting to be more focus on that. But even if you look at the, the traditional training, there still, still is not a lot of uh, formal training uh, in, in the American medical system. Uh, that, that we talk about prevention, but all of our interventions are driven on uh, symptom management or disease management, you know? So um, it, let's say you're having problems with anxiety. Uh, you, you go to a traditional trained doctor, they're going to give you a pill versus actually helping you say, hey, is there things you can control and kind of doing that deeper dive because there often there is. And, and again, it does go back to what's their thought process or that's happening during that event. And can they capture that and then modify it? And that's what we really need to focus on. But we've got a long ways to go with the traditional healthcare on the prevention side. Yeah. And that's what I always say, you know, there are sometimes antidepressants and, and anxiety pills. There might be a lifesaver when you've been through a huge trauma and you are absolutely suicidal, maybe for a week because you're in a terrible situation and you just can't be rich. There are cases, but there are people who maybe their husband left with somebody else and after 15 years, they're still on Prozac. And then I'm wondering, well, how about some mindfulness? How about reaching out to your inner consciousness and say, is this actually helping me? Is there something I can do? Because I can't just have you know, all these chemicals because the situation is, 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 is inside my brain. I have to start thinking what can I do aside from taking this medicine, you know? So I'm so glad that you resonate because normally when I speak to a doctor, he will say, oh, just take a pill for this and a pill for this. I just walk out thinking, okay, never mind. <laughs> I try. 
Yeah, and then that's the thing is, and and the unfortunate thing is, if if you know, like you said, it may provide you temporary relief, uh, but often the you know the medicines we put people on, the long term are problematic too. So there's consequences of these medicines. Uh, not just relief of your symptoms, but there can also be negative consequences with these medicines. So we really try to, to advocate people uh, kind of a minimalist approach when it comes to medication. Obviously, there are uh, you know certain medications that people need, uh, but for but there's a lot of medications that I think if people uh, work hard, they can get off of their medications. You know, uh, stress management and hypertension is an, is an extremely important thing. You know, we're under just this constant bombardment of stress, uh, and, and the fight and flight response worked for us thousands of years ago. But if we're in that kind of that uh, high anxiety state constantly now, which we are, because we're constantly being bombarded with with kind of distractions, that's really unhealthy. And so we need to find ways to to counteract that because a lot of these things are designed to intrude in your life. And they're not just there passively; they're designed to get your attention and so if you're not being mindful you're going to let kind of the environment control you completely yeah and that is serious because you might arrive to 40 50 years old looking back and see wow i wasted so much of my time and of my life because i wasn't really living in the present i'm just anxious and worried and maybe compensating you know i'm in some forums where people talk about how much when they they arrive home they're tired they were stressed at work and all they do, they drink and drink and drink and drink and they might want to go out with friends and we drink and get drunk and I'm like, why are you doing that? Oh, I can't cope. I can't cope. And I was like, well, maybe your friends are so boring that you need to drink to be able to be with them because to have friends and have fun, just have a chat with them or do something fun, do a board game or go out skiing. No, no, I have to drink. And so... This is the society we have, isn't it? When we have the advertising that shows people having a good time in a party, all holding this bottle of drink and maybe smoking or vaping or whatever, they're having a great time. You look at these models, look very healthy. (laughs) But the reality is that these people later on who are drinking all the time, who are smoking, who are vaping, they will have very serious consequences. You know, like alcohol being a, a cause of seven types of cancer. Yet I don't see that in the advertising. Yeah, and that's that's like I said, that's one of the the problems is is when people have uh, habits that are, are impacting their life negatively. At one time, those habits actually serve them. So I think your example of of drinking is a great example because it's given that person that kind of that instant uh, fun without a lot of work, um, and and doing that from time to time is not a problem. But when it becomes your only source of outlet. Then it becomes a problem. Then you then you are going down that path of becoming an alcoholic, and and the consequences are huge. And and if you're not executing kind of pauses in your thought or mindfulness, um, you're going to be down that that path way way uh, into bad uh, situation before you even realize it. You know, and that's where you know coaching with people is to say, okay, well, what what are you getting out of this then? There, there's there's something positive you finding something positive in this behavior so let's identify what those things are 
And sometimes you have to do that in the moment, practicing mindfulness. And then we can see if there's other substitutes we can do, other habits that still give us that, that reward we want, but don't necessarily have uh, uh, the detrimental consequences if it's over overused. You know, your example of game night, things like that. You know, I, I think we would all agree that there's, you know, not a lot of downside of getting with friends and enjoying a good game that doesn't involve a lot of alcohol or anything like that and, and still have that emotional connection and get all that kind of that positive uh, uh, vibes from most people. And that's that's going to be good for your health. That's what we, we all want to be connected. And so when you're truly connecting with people like that, you're actually improving your health, not, not a habit that's going to be detrimental. Mm. I totally agree with that as well. Um, I wanted to add this. So there was some, some point in your life when you realized, hey, I'm just um, talking about critical stuff here. I'm always helping people who are pretty much almost dead. But what can I do? So you decided to set up a service, obviously a pay service, a company, to, to help people to prevent and if they're already in a certain situation, to mitigate the effect of their lifestyle so they can change. And this is based on mindfulness and helping and, and did you say coaching or something? Can you explain a little bit more of what is your integrated holistic health approach with your, with your team? So yeah, so uh, we're, we're both, uh, we provide services both online and, and in brick and mortar facilities. And what we do is work with clients to kind of, uh, first we need to understand the, the, the client. And the, the challenge is, is, is people often kind of, kind of want to just say, well, what's your packages? And we don't really have a package uh, because this kind of stuff is really very individualized uh, to the client. So we kind of work with the client first to kind of understand them, to develop what we think is the best approach, depending on whatever uh, things they're trying to do. Now, often the clients are trying to uh, um, stop a bad habit, not necessarily produce a new good habit. Uh, so like smoking or, or uh, overeating or something like that. Uh, they want to stop a behavior that's really ingrained to them. And that's where we, we really feel that mindfulness is so important. And then part of that's coaching them to understand what mindfulness is. And part of that is meditation, um, where you, you're being very active in trying to pause your mind. Uh, and, and one of the things is, is they can often become very frustrating to people because when they start to try to pause their mind, that's when they start to realize how much their mind is racing, uh, kind of jumping from thought to thought. Uh, and so, uh, as we work with them, you know, we'll establish kind of goals and objectives, what they want to do. Um, like I said, mostly it's, it's related to behavioral modification and mostly it's related to stopping a behavior that's no longer serving them. And that's why mindfulness is so important because taking that pause and understanding, okay, what am I thinking right now? Because there's some type of little reward in there. You know, there's that little dopamine surge uh, that some reason we're doing something that's maybe not long-term benefiting us, but right now there's some type of reward. So using mindfulness to really pause and say, okay, what am I feeling? Why, why am I wanting this? And what is it I'm expecting to get out of this? And then on top of that, you add now, okay, but what's the long-term consequences of this? Yes, exactly my approach. I always say, you're holding that cigarette and you think, right, I'm feeling like that X. 
and I want to feel like something else. Y, I don't know why. What else can I do instead of holding the cigarettes? Can, what can I do to put it down and still feel great? So we're drawing to a close, so we want to really get a couple of tips, two, three, whatever we have time for, for the people that our audience who are listening to us and say, oh, I can't stop emotional eating, I can't stop drinking, I can't stop being a whole night on the internet, playing games or whatever. I can't stop whatever is an addiction or, or a habit that is obviously interfering with your emotional or physical health. What suggestions would you be able to share from your experience? So I think, I think you bring a good point because uh, what, what happens is when they say they can't stop, they're, they're reinfor- reinforcing that behavior. And, and what happens is, is they're kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. They're going to prove to you that they can't stop because they told you they can't stop. So really that's where you need to first work with them and, and have them kind of change that, that message that they're telling themselves. Because I, I believe if they're truly constantly telling themselves that kind of that internal dialogue is telling themselves they can't do it, then, then they're going to be right. You know, uh, uh, it's one of those adages, you know, is, is you're going to, what your thought process is going to drive your behavior. And so the first thing we got to do is work on uh, working with them to change that internal dialogue. And again, a lot of times that internal dialogue that is happening subconsciously, they don't realize how critical uh, uh, they are themselves. That's where affirmations become so important. Uh, because you're actually practicing uh, putting positive thoughts in your mind. So uh, daily affirmations, you know, um, standing in front of a mirror, uh, telling yourself positive things about you. You know, I deserve to be healthy. I deserve to be uh, a non-smoker or whatever. Um, but so you're, you're now kind of practicing so that those thoughts now become more automated. And I think that's really the first step is, is, really the mental aspect of, of all of this mm. is, is essential to, to get right. Yeah, stop and look at what's actually going on, what you're trying to get. Is that a healthier way? For example, you know, it's so, it's so typical. We are all together, we're celebrating, we all want to drink and eat. And uh, I had clients who said, you know, I keep eating because when I was younger, we had this fabulous parties with my whole family all this lovely food you know sweet and cakes and savory and it was all and then now they are 20 and 30 and the weight is ballooning and they can't stop because they just want to recreate the feeling of closeness and they can't think of any other way and the whole family loves the food and the celebration this is really really hard to get out of this kind of loop and vicious way of thinking that that's the only way we can celebrate you know it's it's very ingrained in our society isn't it just to eat to celebrate yeah and, and i never said anything about this would be easy and when when you're talking to people about changing behavior i think it's important to acknowledge that it is very difficult and they're going to have significant ups and downs because it's like uh, anything when you're when you're doing something new you're probably not going to be good at it at the very beginning so there's going to be frustrations and, and, and outcomes you don't want uh, but the only way to get good at it is to keep working at it uh, and that's one of the things I preach with mindfulness is you're going to find it's very easy to let your mind get distracted and 
uh, you, you know, you tell people just just stop and think about what's going on in the moment, and then they think that's really easy until they try to do it, and their phones beeping because they got a text message or you know all these distractors. So, um, uh, and that's another thing I advocate is to turn off some of these distractors. You know, don't have it every notification on your phone active. Uh, because you're really you're letting those distractors control you. I just have to agree to everything you say. <laughs> just guys, this is a guy, you know. Where can we find you to get more information about your programs? Um, what Probably the best way is our website is progressiveethos.com. Uh, there we'll have all of our links to uh, social media and things like that. We have a blog and there's a newsletter you can sign up for. Um, uh, where we kind of go through uh, different information because really we kind of look at our job is to give clients the tools to be successful and help them understand how to use those tools but at the end of the day the client has to be the one that does the heavy lifting um, so how we could do it is support them try to provide them the most efficient tools to be successful um, and really be there to, to help them on those times when they're when we think aren't going right quite how they want them to because we're all going to experience those days. Yes, it's that support that we need when we're making huge changes. We need emotional support because it's a new habit that we have to establish and the mind will like what is familiar that we've been doing for 20 years, for 40 years, for 50 years. So it will go back to that until we create the neural pathways that are new because we keep repeating and repeating and repeating the new healthier action. Well, our time is now finished. I'm really grateful that we had the possibility to talk to Dr. Kelly Cox, an ER physician who is now very much focused on prevention, mindfulness, and being alert to what is actually going on in our mind before we go and ruin our body and our health and our life. Because, you know, it's so good to be healthy now, but if we ruin it with all these bad habits, then we're going to be having a stroke, a heart attack, diabetes, wheelchair, whatever chronic disease, and that's not going to be very fun. So just make sure that our choices help us to remain happy, to be able to celebrate, be able to enjoy life when we are older and live, like we say, long live the queen, up to 96, like the queen here in the United Kingdom that has lived a very good life despite being quite stressed sometimes. So I'm so thankful we were able to touch quite a lot of stuff with you. And guys, remember to go and check his website because, you know, you might get a session and a, a program or something written just for you and get those things moving that you don't want anymore in your life. So thank you so much. And I hope to see you somewhere else online and maybe tag you when I do the podcast. Okay, thank you for being on the show. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. All right. You take care, Ben. So guys, that was the end of the episode 111. This is an, an amazing number, 111. Okay. So I hope you guys had fun and I hope to see you very soon to the next episode. So for now, bye and take care. You've listened to Create with Franz Sidney.